from the MZ Studios Dallas Virtual Studios in Cyberspace, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings, everyone. This is your host, Ryan Trimble. Joined once again today by a man who's been looking forward to this fall semester of our show. He, of course, Sean Williams. Sean, welcome back, sir. Do you have your backpack packed for the fall semester? Oh, yeah, man. I got uh, my syllabus ready. I got my Trapper Keeper. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to roll for the fall. How are you? Man, the Trapper Keeper. So great. What a great invention. Yeah, especially when they started making the folders that had something on them besides just red, yellow, yeah. blue, and green. I, mean, I know there's uh, a certain segment of our audience who bought those for us and who also there's a segment who has no idea what we're referring to. Yes, our two favorite listeners, of course, spent probably hours and hours waiting for us to pick out, uh, <laughs> pick out folders at Walmart from the little cartons. Those, of course, being our mothers. So thank you, moms, for your patience as always with us. Uh, before we, we have a really exciting guest today on Deconstructing Dallas, but before that, uh, you know, as we continue to observe the quarantine in all of its forms, uh, man, we these last few weeks we've gotten sports, sports on top of sports. Yeah, it's been really exciting. Uh, I don't know where you want to go first. I think probably we need to tip our cap, uh, talk a little stick and puck, Sean. Your Dallas Stars in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, I you know I have moved towards the stars as things kicked back off and the NBA bubble got going. You know, I remember the day a few weeks ago when like the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, um, every, hockey, everybody was playing on the same day. College football. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I think we had some college. We had the U.S. Open, <laughs> you know, Major League, all on the same day. Like I just sat on the couch and watched it all. And then right in the midst of that, the stars started making their run in the bubble, in the NHL bubble. And I've watched more hockey in the last, (laughs) you know, probably two and a half weeks than I have in the last 20 years. Now, I I will give you credit. You have a stars hat that you have worn, you know, with the new, the new logo, the victory green logo. Uh, you have worn that thing proudly for several years, so uh, I yeah, I, you know, I've, I've tried to make sure anyway. to take a few um, photos in the hat just to make sure that people can tell that this is not a bandwagon situation that I got going. This is this is a stars representation that has been you know long in the making. Yes, I have an old hat that I bought at a bargain bin uh, with the old logo, but I did go ahead and break down and buy a new hat. So I do have a new victory green hat. I think that makes you a Stars fan. Yes. Yes. Go Stars. Oh, we At the time of this recording, we are uh, several hours away from uh, game, game one. Six. Game six. Excuse me. Uh, decisive game six. Hoping that Stars can send this thing to a, a seventh game. So, uh, Stars. Uh, the other thing, obviously, Sean knows well that this was coming for a long time. I have been on fire about my 3-0 and SMU Mustangs football team. They are back in the saddle. Uh, they have followed COVID quarantine protocols so far. Zero positive tests. Uh, tip of the cap to Sonny Dykes. Uh, another tip of the cap to the Mustang Club who sent me a lovely gift for being a member 
Sean, I got a I got a grilling mitt with oh, the triple D logo. I got an apron with the triple D logo. And one of those, uh, you know, it looks like a solo cup, but it was a black, real plastic reusable solo cup with the triple D logo on it. So, man, I was feeling the Mustang love last Saturday, uh, getting ready for my Mustangs to, uh, to, you know, cruise to another victory against Stephen F. Austin. We're not on video, but... I, I think for the rest of this recording, I'm just going to have an image of you with your apron on, <laughs> with your oven, with your cooking mitt on, with your hand around the microphone, because I, I, every time I see you anyway, you generally have on the SME polo. So now it's just like you're adding to the repertoire. Yeah, it's a little hard to click the mouse here with this uh, with this oven <laughs> mitt on, this grilling mitt, but, uh, you know, we're making it work. So, uh, well, I mean, and I guess, the, you know, we won't talk Aggies. It, it was kind of more the same for the Aggies, which is fine. A win is a win in SEC. I think it's awesome. Vanderbilt is cool. But, you know, there's a lot of cowboy angst around town right now. And, uh, you know, before we, we get to talking about our guests, I just have two words, pay deck. That's yes. it for me. Pay deck. Yes. It, for any of our listeners who follow Sean on Twitter, you have seen this message uh, several times now. Uh, the the paydack. I think you are the leader of the charge uh, for for that effort. So, I mean, four hundred yard passing games do not fall out of the sky. Three rushing touchdowns last week. Three passing touchdowns this week. Unfortunately, Dak does not play cornerback or safety. Uh, they might have a better chance to win if he did. I don't know, but uh, unfortunately, I if he can, you know, just jump in there. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I well, know. I mean, you know, but but the quarterbacks usually wins and losses are pinned on the quarterback. That's why they make the big bucks. Oh, right, Dak still doesn't have a contract. So <laughs> anyway, I mean, that's just where I that's where I follow. He needs to be like your friend and co-host Ryan Tremble, who is a a two way player at uh, the Albuquerque <laughs> Academy back in the day. Sean, they, they they need to probably consider that. Yes, yes, throw him in there at outside linebacker. So, uh. Sean, I'm really excited about our guest today. Uh, we, over the summer, the city of Dallas uh, hired a new chief information officer, a uh, uh, gentleman named Bill Zelinsky. Uh, really excited to jump into our interview with Bill today. He has a pretty storied career with the federal government, came came from the, the GSA, the General Service, uh, Service Administration, but spent time at the at OMB spent time with the Social Security Administration. So uh, he has a lot of experience and, and uh, a lot of passion for technology and making technological improvements, which uh, lo and behold, we really need them uh, here in the city of Dallas, especially during a global pandemic. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to share this interview with our listeners. You know, Bill brings, as you mentioned, a lot of passion to this, a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience. Um, it's funny, we had a conversation with him as well, uh, leading up to the interview and his family, uh, part of them, some of his sons are getting into the business as well. He has a lot of knowledge around, um, the issues of technology that are facing our city. And, uh, and it's really exciting for us to have this conversation, be able to share with our folks. Yeah. You know, we, we get to, uh, we get to work with some, some great, uh, technology companies around town. I, you know, I've had the chance to go up to Redmond and see, uh, you know, Microsoft's campus, uh, 
we get the pleasure of working with uh, the director of citizenship for the U.S. here, Ramel Mitchell uh, for Microsoft. And so uh, it's, it's exciting. It's something I know that you and I uh, keep an eye on. We're passionate about. And so uh, let's uh, have no more, f- no further ado. Let's jump into our interview with Bill Zelinsky right after this break. Uh, Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams, stick with us. Welcome back, Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams, and Sean, I'm fired up to be joined today by a gentleman who's, who's new on the City Hall scene. He, of course, Bill Zelinsky, the uh, new Chief Information Officer for the City of Dallas. Bill, welcome. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Bill. Where are you from? And, uh, and uh, tell us a little bit about your background. You bet. Yeah, you think it, that's an easy question, but but I'm a I'm a child of a U.S. serviceman, and so it's always difficult for me to pin down where I'm from. Um, my father was actually stationed with the U.S. Army down in Fort Hood, where he met my mother through a mutual friend, um, and so they actually ended up getting married in Colleen, Texas. Uh, and but for the fact that he he got deployed to Germany, I actually would have been born here in in Colleen, but as it is, I was born in Germany. Um, we eventually, after moving around a bit, we eventually settled in the state of Washington, where I graduated from high school and uh, attended Washington State University and, and got a degree in counseling psychology. There you go. Well, you know, we know that you spent a little time with the federal government, uh, Bill, and, you know, we'd love to know about your time with the General Service Administration and, you know, other, other jobs you may have had with the federal government and technology. You bet. So, yeah, I was with the federal government for 30 years before coming to the city of Dallas. Uh, a lot of those, about 14 of those years, were actually as, a, as an executive in, in federal government across a number of different agencies. Um, I mentioned that I have a, a degree in counseling psychology, uh, but I actually joined the Social Security Administration directly out of college in a local community-based Social Security office in the state of Washington, where I actually took retirement and disability claims. And so, in many ways, even though it was a federal agency, I really started my uh, government service at that local level. Um, but as was the case there in the in the early 1990s, that was really kind of the start of technology. So I so where where technology was in the hands of the many. So I made that shift into technology fairly early in my career. Um, and as Social Security began to really move its processes from paper to elect- electronic processing. I took a position back east in in their headquarters technology department, and I worked my way up through a variety of different IT positions, including things like IT analyst, project manager, technical manager, before eventually becoming the uh, agency CIO. Um, Following that stint at the the Social Security Administration as the CIO, uh, I worked in the executive office of the president during the Obama administration for the federal CIO. And in that role, um, I led the team that reviewed and monitored the $80 billion federal IT budget, and I helped to formulate uh, federal IT policy. And then after that, I moved to the General Services Administration, where I managed a series of very large um, pre-competed technology contracts that are used by federal, state, local government to purchase their technical capabilities. So each year, 
Uh, my group was responsible for helping government, government purchase more than $26 billion in technology. So um, uh, realistically, in my, in my 30 years of federal experience, 14 years as an executive, I've really worked in every aspect of, of technology from operations to policy and IT acquisition. Yeah, so Bill, a storied career and with the federal government. I mean, you, you you've touched a lot of a lot of agencies. Now you're back in Dallas. What made you decide to come back to the local level, and and more specifically, what made you decide to come to Dallas? Well, there's several reasons. Um, you know, so for one, I miss IT operations. Right, I was the CIO at the Social Security Administration. That's pure IT operations. You know, you don't really sleep. It's a, it's a 24 by 7 gig as the CIO. You're, you're, you're living and breathing on every, every word of a machine, right? So, so I miss that. I miss all the sleepless nights. I miss all the pressure to deliver uh, the weight of the world on your shoulders. I like being in that mix. So, so for one, I miss IT operations. And getting back here to be the CIO for the city of Dallas, that really put me right back in, in kind of the operational aspects of technology. Um, for two, while I, I really enjoyed all that work that I did with the federal government, a lot of really exciting, a lot of really interesting things, you are a degree removed from the people you serve. Um, and so when you're the CIO for the lar ninth largest city in the United States, like Dallas, you have that immediate and direct connection to the people that you serve. Uh, I started my career in a social security field office working directly with the community and this really brings me right back to that to that local feeling, right? You can see how the work you do impacts both positively or negatively the people of the city. And then finally, uh, my wife and I are now empty nesters, and I'm I'm more toward the end of my career uh, than I am to the beginning of my career. So I was really looking for what I hope will be my last job, um, one in which I can make an impact uh, in terms of public service and in a place where I might want to retire. So I think Dallas is that place for me. Um, Bill, you know, I worked at the city of Dallas at a different part of my career, loved the time that I spent there, live in Dallas now. And so, you know, I'm very interested in your vision for Dallas, what you've seen and how you uh, hope that future can can look for us here in the city. You bet. So so uh, just, a, just a little bit about that. I, I, I'm a I guess I, if I was a coach, right, I'd be an old school coach. Uh, I feel that same way about technology, right? I, so, so when I when I look at what um, I would call my technology vision for the city of Dallas, I think it's pretty straightforward, and it, and it fits in kind of two buckets. Um, that first bucket, it's really focused on the basics, right? As a as an IT organization, in and of yourself, you really don't have a mission, right? The the mission that you have as an IT organization is to support all of, the, all of the departments, all of the groups in the city that are carrying out the mission of the city, right? Those departments are the ones who are directly serving the citizens. And in turn, I'm really there to make sure that they have what they need from a technology perspective in order to deliver. So that means that what I have to do as the CIO is to make sure that I am the most effective and efficient in the spend of IT dollars for on behalf of the city that I, I am refreshing the technology in a way that continues to ensure it's there and available and secure for all the departments, and that I'm ensuring that the technology that I'm delivering sets a solid foundation for all of those city departments to do their work. So as, a, as kind of a, uh, an old school coach, if you will, to me, uh, you know, a happy day for me is when, when no, nobody notices the technology because it's so much a part of what they do and there's no problems that they're able to do the work. So that's kind of part one. 
Part two is, um, I think we're in this phenomenal period of time for technology. We have this wave of technology that's all converging together. And if we don't set a solid foundation and if we're not ready for what comes next, we will not be able to take advantage of it. And what I mean by this is that the next great wave of technology is in the data. And that wave of technology that's coming through data, and when I say that, I mean things like artificial intelligence, predictive analytics, augmented intelligence, virtual reality, machine learning. All of these technical capabilities are based upon information, having the availability of information to carry out these remarkable sorts of things. And that wave of data that's coming our way that could be used for these really cool things is enabled by wireless technology. So when we talk about the shift from 3G to 4G to 5G, 5G, when it, when it's, when it lives up to its promise, when it's finally fully here, will be able to create a network mesh, right? It's, it's the, the think, about, um, think about the idea that, that the network is all around you. No matter where you move, you have this wireless network through which you can rapidly move lots of data. And that data is being fed by sensors and devices that are out there. So when we talk about the internet of things, we're talking about the idea that we have devices, sensors, things that are everywhere and omnipresent and they're all feeding data at the speed of light through these wireless networks back into your data center or becoming available to you as a city to be able to use to, um, to better understand the wants, needs, and desires of the, of the residents of the city and to better deliver uh, technical capability to them, right? So, so again, they're, they're kind, of, kind of apart from each other, but one is focus on the basics and get really good at delivering technology but preparing us for this great wave of technology that's coming through data. Well, and I'm not sure if we're headed toward Minority Report or iRobot, but it sounds like, like they're, they're all coming our way. We're with Bill Zelensky, Old School Coach. This is Sean Williams. Ryan Trimble with Deconstructed Dallas. We'll be right back to talk to him a little bit more right after this. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams, joined today by Dallas CIO Bill Zelensky. And Bill, before the break, we were talking about some of your vision for laying the groundwork for the technology that's coming. Right now, though, we're in obviously the COVID-19 pandemic, global pandemic, and technology has played a critical role in keeping our city moving forward. You know, we've both, I know Sean and I have both uh, sat and watched uh, Yes, city council uh, meetings where everybody's uh, you know on on Microsoft Teams or uh, you know a lot of lot of services now being provided online, but there's still a lot of residents in this city that struggle with the digital divide. Um, can you tell us your thoughts on the digital divide and and what specifically the challenges here in Dallas? Yeah, so so that's a great question, and and I I will say. That for my for my 30 years in government and and you know most of those years being in technology, 
this uh, this pandemic has really been has been fascinating and, and an incredible experience on on oh so many levels. You know, it, it came on in many ways, like like many other natural disasters do, right? Where you where you get hit by this storm, and, and you have to have this immediate response to the storm, right? And for us as a city, what that meant was how, how do you you know the question became how do you continue to deliver critical and essential services to the residents of a city at the same time that you're trying to send everybody home and you're trying to figure out how to do all these things safely. So, you know, the first phase of it is, is really just that initial reaction. And, and we went about buying equipment and, and you mentioned the city council meetings, being able to shift those council operations to being totally online. And then what we found is that as things began to, to settle in and we realized that, that this wasn't like a storm in the sense that it moves on after a few days and you begin your recovery process, this began to, to persist. And so now, you know, we're really are fully in the midst of, of kind of phase two, where the things that you did in immediate response to, to react to the pandemic are not necessarily the things that, that will persist for longer term. So we've been trying to figure out how is it that you how is it that you start to adjust your operations for this prolonged period of this pandemic? And then finally, phase three is going to really be what does normal look like on the other side of it, right? And so, so I think every city, state, local, every, every level of government has been struggling with those three phases. But I will tell you what, what has really been, been uh, marked in this pandemic is this piece on the digital divide, right? If, if you had gone back six, seven, eight months ago, um, the sense of what the digital divide does and what it means wasn't as great. There was a lot of conversation about the digital divide, but you heard statistics like, 96% of U.S. households have, a, have some sort of mobile device or they have connection to the Internet uh, through a mobile device, right? So even if they don't have Wi-Fi in their homes, as long as they have a, a phone that's capable of reaching the network, they can, they can use that phone to, to avail themselves of the Internet. Well, what we're seeing here um, with the pandemic is that that device, while it might be good for communication and simple simple uh, things like surfing the, the, the web, it really is not sufficient to carry on regular life. So whether it's students who have to be in class and have to go through complex materials like science classes, you're not going to be able to do that on the phone. Um, whether it's other businesses who are trying to conduct some level of business, you're not going to be able to do that on the phone. So, so what I will say is that this pandemic really has sharpened the focus on the digital divide, and it's provided a clear demonstration that it goes beyond just network connectivity. It goes into, do you have the equipment that you need? Or do you know how to utilize the equipment to best effect, right? It goes far beyond just that network connection. Um, but but if, what, I really, what I would really say relative to this digital divide is, what you're also seeing is that from a commercial investment perspective, in a city like Dallas, you have in the core, kind of in those central areas, you have a lot of capability that's laid, right? The fiber has been laid by those large telecommunications company. But as you start to move out from that center core and you start to move out more broadly into the city, that's where you really see the gaps. And, and what we've been working through is what are the things that we can be doing in the city to leverage our physical infrastructure to start to expand that reach from a network perspective? So again, getting the network further out from those core communications areas where that commercial investment has been, 
and into that area where there's not necessarily a profit to be made by those commercial entities, but it does need to get out there to the citizens. How do we use the libraries of points of distribution for equipment, things like laptop or other Wi-Fi? So, so um, again, the, the answer here is the pandemic has really sharpened the focus for a city like Dallas, that as you start to move out from that center point, it becomes even more acute and more necessary to provide services to the residents of the city so that they don't fall further behind or, or to ensure that they are able to, um, to avail themselves of city services. You know, Bill, cybersecurity is always a hot topic, especially for government entities. We've seen some attacks in election offices. We've recently seen an attack uh, in the healthcare industry. Um, so what can you and your team do to make sure that city data and citizens are secure as it relates to cybersecurity? Yeah, so this this goes back to my comment about um, losing sleep, right? Cybersecurity. Uh, ha- having been in government for a long time and been in government tech for a long time, I you know I will tell you that when I first started in government tech, you know, twenty five plus years ago, there wasn't any conversations about cybersecurity. You look at the last you know ten years now. Now, anytime something happens, right? The first there was a there was a brownout in New York City. One of the first things that the mayor said is we can confirm it was not a cyber attack, right? So this is now constantly on the minds of, of everybody. Um, it's a constant battle and it's a team sport, right? Um, the adversary is always a step ahead of us as a whole. And so you have to continuously monitor, you have to continuously evolve, and you can never stop and you can never rest. There's not a solution. It's a multitude of solutions that you bring together uh, because you need to to look at every layer of your infrastructure and always be looking. You have to assume that they're getting in. Another piece about technology is, is what is a source of our strength? Rapidly emerging technology when it comes to cyber is also a source of vulnerability. So, so as new technology comes into the marketplace, um, while it's just emerging, it also means that it has vulnerabilities that have not yet been uh, discovered or exploited. So as a city, We have to maintain, uh, we have to establish good relationships at the federal, state, and local level because this is a team sport and we need every member of the team. Uh, We have to maintain close contact with law enforcement so that as things are happening, not just in our environment, but happening across the world and across the United States, that we're getting a good feed of information. We have to maintain open lines of communication because if something isn't happening here, uh, it's happening elsewhere, then we should be making that assumption that it could soon be at our doorstep. So again, um, can't do it alone. It's got to be a team sport. You always have to assume that the enemy is ahead of you. You always have to continue to monitor. You can never uh, rest, and you always have to continue to refresh the technologies that you're bringing to the table, um, and to the table in order to to really combat the threat that's out there. Yeah, it's a, it's, uh, it's exciting stuff, Bill. Tell us about you know any any upcoming updates or any maybe look inside your crystal ball. What are what are some of the, the upcoming updates or that that we can look forward to that will help modernize City Hall even further? Yeah, so uh, we talked a little bit about kind of the pandemic and and you'd mentioned the the idea of the of the uh, City Council moving online. I you know I, I would say in my crystal ball is we really take a look at at where we stand relative to the pandemic and we find our way ourselves to the other side. I think what you're going to see is a lot of this, a lot of this shift, this left turn that we took in order to continue business during the pandemic, and we brought in this technology. 
what I would say is that you, you should continue, you will continue to see us in the city look for ways to incorporate technology into how we do our business. So just as an example, right, we made this, this left turn, we, we brought in technologies to have a collaboration platform that we could use to ensure that city residents can still participate virtually in these, in the, in the various town hall meetings or the city council meetings. Uh, and we've gotten to the point where we've gotten a lot more polished than when we were at the beginning. Uh, recently, in some conversation with council members, we were talking about kind of returning to council chambers and returning back to more normalized or what we thought of as normalized operations. And it was interesting because uh, many of the council members, um, they, they all asked, but we're not totally getting rid of the technology, are we? Are, are we? Aren't we going to keep that technology? Can we have a hybrid model where we may be partially in person or sometimes in person, but we continue to do these things virtually and we continue to allow the residents of the city to participate uh, in our council meetings, in our sessions virtually as well. So I, I think what you should continue to look for in terms of that modernization is on that engagement side that will continue to have a, a virtual presence. We'll extend out into the libraries and other community centers where we will, well, we, we will be allowing residents to not have to come all the way into the city to participate. They'll be able to do it from these areas, utilizing this technology that we put in place, uh, we put in place in reaction to the pandemic. Well, Bill, we want to thank you for this time today. Um, thank you for your passion. Welcome to Dallas. Uh, for any of our listeners on Deconstructing Dallas who want to find you or, or learn more, are you on social media? Uh, where would you send folks? Yeah, so so I haven't yet set up a, a Twitter account, but I'm planning on doing so. But I, I can be found on LinkedIn um, under under uh, William Zelinsky. So so you can certainly find me there. Connect with me on LinkedIn, and and I always love those conversations. Well, we appreciate the time today and look forward to, to again getting to see you in the city when appropriate and uh, looking forward to working with you. Excellent. Thank you, gentlemen. This is Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Tremble, Sean Williams. We'll be right back right after this. back deconstructing dallas ryan trimble sean williams sean you can tell that uh, bill Zelinsky has a passion for technology and i think that's a really good thing for the city of dallas yeah as a citizen of dallas as i mentioned you know it's just really exciting to know someone is bringing that type of energy to the city who's thinking about all of the challenges that we face and then you know having spent time with at the city, I think it, it's a really huge opportunity to modernize, you know, the operations and help move into, you know, this new era that, that Bill was speaking about. Yeah. Before uh, in our intro, we were talking about uh, a certain quarterback. Some quarterbacks, I think, are called bus drivers, Sean. Perhaps you've heard that term where they just are, are put in place to hand the ball off and maybe make a few throws. Bill Zelinsky does not seem like a bus driver quarterback. Uh, he he seems like a guy who's going to be pretty transformational in that role. And up on the the latest technology, the latest technology trends, I think that was my big takeaway. And you know, we both have 
with your experience in the state, my experience in the city, we know what it's like and how difficult it can be for people in these bureaucratic bureaucratic um, positions to just try to navigate on a day-to-day basis. And sometimes it Absolutely. can be hard just to get to the vision part of it. But it's really exciting to talk to someone who has that kind of vision and understanding of the job at hand. And if I can finish the sports analogy, is not just looking to run out the clock. <laughs> you always come up big in the name <laughs> Sean. Oh, man. Well, um, how about we do this again very soon and talk to um, Dallas Morning News Metro columnist Sharon Grigsby, someone that we both know. Yeah, Sharon, yeah, Sharon. a friend of both ours for, for some time. And uh, surprise, surprise, she's a friend of the show. She uh, really grateful for Sharon being a listener. So uh, you can imagine how excited we both are to have her on as a guest and share some of her insights. Uh, what she's writing about, what she, you know, what she's thinking about writing in the future, and uh, get her take on all things Dallas. Well, you know what? It might have been a little shaky here and there getting back on the bike without the training wheels, but I think we're uh, we're up and running, and pretty soon maybe we'll pop a wheelie on the next show. <laughs> uh, yes. uh, these are good times, Sean Williams. All right. Well, this has, been, you. <laughs> this has been Deconstructing Dallas. You've been listening to Sean Williams and Ryan Tremble. We are so excited about everyone who has emailed us, who has tweeted us over this break, and all the folks who said that they've become new listeners of Deconstructing Dallas. Uh, we're glad that we've got almost three years worth of shows uh, for you to listen to. It is awesome. Please tell your friends about our show, Deconstructing Dallas where they can find our show on Apple Podcasts, on uh, Stitcher, and anywhere where you get your podcasts. We want to thank our owners at Allen Media, Mary Woodley, Jennifer Pascal. This is an Allen Media production. We want to thank Samantha Matthews for her help on this show. We want to thank Michael Zabala and MZ Studios, who have been really, really helping us out on the technology side. And again, thanks to Bill Zelensky, our guest. Uh, We look forward to hearing from you next time when we will be talking to Sharon Grigsby from the Dallas Morning News. So again, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble, Deconstructing Dallas. Adios. Adios.